It's a word you never want to hear, at least certainly not at the age of 25. Cancer. I've just returned home from a four-month journey sailing towards Antarctica, working as a cameraman for Animal Planet. Paul had the world at his fingertips. That would all change when returning home, he suddenly lost his vision. A few days later, Paul would be rushed to hospital and soon find out he had leukemia and his chances of survival could not be guaranteed. This week's episode, 60%. It entails the day Paul heard the word no one ever wants to hear until today, who spends his time in Los Angeles pursuing a career in film. I just remember, I I felt really good leading up to it, and I had been working out a lot and playing a lot of sports, and... I played sports in college, so I was physical. I kind of knew the, my limits, and uh, I was just getting tired a lot. And I thought, you know, stressful environment where I'm shooting this TV show about these animal activists on this ship in the middle of the ocean. Like, it's a high-stress environment with a not very private workspace, and it was hot. It was really hot. So... I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I just kind of blamed it on circumstance. And that kind of, that attitude about not admitting to yourself that the problem's worse than it is was kind of persistent throughout the summer until I was diagnosed uh, in September. But on the ship, everyone would uh, make fun of me for sleeping a lot and taking a lot of naps. And like, I'm not one to not take a nap throughout my life, but. I was taking quite a few, and I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, downtime, gonna take a nap. But maybe 2020 hindsight, I was I was sleeping a lot. I was a little sluggish. It was just like subtle signs that maybe I was not okay. But it was very subtle. Over the summer, I kept going about my life. Like when we got back, I just jumped straight back into volleyball and basketball and doing normal stuff, and then. That's when it started to get progressively worse. I thought I was just sick for like two months. And yeah, and then it kind of culminated in a bunch of really intense symptoms that forced me to go to the hospital. I mean, the problem was is that I had a ton of white blood cells in my blood called lymphoblastic cells. And like, I'm not 100% sure the science behind it, but essentially my blood became really thin and was able to rupture from tiny little blood vessels so when I started working out harder after my blood was getting I uh they started to rupture and they ruptured in my eyeballs so I was doing push-ups one day popped up out of breath which was pretty typical during that month and uh and I couldn't see out of my right eye I thought it looked like when you stare at the sun or something you get that that like blind spot for a second and it goes away but it just never went away and it took me three or four days to realize uh that this is not normal 
thought I was just sick. I thought, you know, maybe I have a cold. I, I get like sick once a year. So I kind of figured, oh, it's I'm getting sick. But it was quite an extended sickness. And I went um, to see my eye doctor. And I have a close relationship with them because I've just been like, I've had terrible vision since I was a kid. So they looked at my eyeball and they took like one look with her just with her hand tools and her eyeball she just looked in my eye and was like oh my god we need to take pictures and we took pictures i have the pictures today and it looks like uh just black spots all on the back of my retina because my uh tiny blood vessels were rupturing and she was pretty freaked out about that i mean professionally freaked out and she told me to get blood work done and then i got the blood work done and this is just, I think this is the day or two after I first went blind. After I got the blood work done, they told me, okay, three to four days, we'll get you the results back. And then the next morning at 6 a.m., they called me and told me to go to the hospital. And that was the beginning of uh, some crazy three years. Having his energy sapped out of him and now losing his eyesight in one of his eyes, Paul knew things were bad, but never could he comprehend what he was about to hear next. We get to the hospital, they examine the blood work I got, they take new blood work, run it through the lab, and I remember the first thing that he said, um, you know, we looked at your blood and, and going off your blood results, it looks like you have, you tested positive for uh, a leukemia, a probably acute lymphoblastic, blah, 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 and I remember he just kept talking and talking, it kind of like turned into Charlie Brown, like, you know just faded off into the back of my mind as I just turned and looked at my parents because I just couldn't really understand what was happening and and uh, my mom's face and my dad's face I'll never forget how many muscles were scrunched how like tense they looked and I kind of knew just from their expression the doctor could have said nothing but there was it was a pretty bad pretty bad prognosis for sure I remember the first thought that I had to myself was just, um, you're going to get really sick and then you're going to die. And that was kind of, it was like a mantra that I almost repeated in my head for like at least three months during the worst parts of the chemotherapy because I don't know, it was just kind of a natural inclination to think that because when you get diagnosed with cancer, you know, like you just, yeah, it's kind of, you die, you know, you get diagnosed with cancer and you're, that's like not good. <laughs> so it was a pretty sobering thought, but it was kind of, it was kind of what I thought was I was going to die. Yeah. And it's not just like, it's not like you, you jump out of an airplane and like, you know, the thought of death isn't so imminent and so in front of you, you know, it's not like, 
there's a train coming at you and you go, oh, I'm going to die in 10 seconds, you know, you just kind of think, I'm going to die, but I don't know when, but it's going to happen and it's going to suck. If you look leukemia up on Google, the most common questions is how dangerous is leukemia? Is leukemia a painful death? Is leukemia a death sentence? Can you survive leukemia? For Paul, his diagnosis wasn't great. Better than some, but worse than others. Regardless, the next three years were to be spent in and out of hospital. A three-year sentence. So the blood transfusions came first, then the chemotherapy. And the chemotherapy, yeah, it was pretty brutal. I mean, the chemos that they give you off the bat, you're just signing papers like this chemo is, you know, known to cause your heart muscle to dissolve or some shit and like you just kind of sign because you know i'm i'm gonna get really sick and then i'm gonna die is just on repeat in your head so it's like i'll do what the doctor says and they have my best interest obviously so you do them and for me it was 40 days of yeah nausea vomiting hair loss what it really does is or what the chemos i took did was just eradicate your white blood cell count so they would make you neutropenic which is like a a state of being neutropenic means you're prone to infection you have no white blood cells to fight off infection so i was in like i was bubble boy for like 40 days i was in a high quarantine environment i had uh masks and gloves were permanent around all the people around me and i i would still get sick i would get cold sores in my mouth you know because like you just you get like sores down your throat it you can't eat food the the chemo just you know it your body has white blood cells to fight off disease but if your white blood cells are killing you and you take this drug to kill your white blood cells your body is just confused and it can't fight off the world and and you just yeah you get sick if you want to succeed you need to set goals. Without goals, you lack focus and motivation. Goal setting not only allows you to take control of your life's direction, it also provides you with a benchmark for determining whether you're actually succeeding. But how do you set goals when the world is restrained to the four walls around your hospital bed and where each day is a constant challenge, both mentally and physically? It would have been easy for Paul to sit back and do nothing maybe even be sorry for himself. But this isn't true to his nature. So in true fashion to Paul, lying in his hospital bed, he continued to set goals and work on his craft as an aspiring filmmaker. During my chemotherapy treatments when I was in the hospital for a long time, I didn't really realize it, but I was still working. You know, I was, I do a lot of writing and editing and film industry and I was editing all the time in the hospital. That was such a time waster and and like a nice creative outlet. I would I would just edit with what I could because I had no incoming footage. You know, I just I would make like trailers and music videos from existing media like you know, I'd take a movie and rip it to a song that I, you know, liked and I would cut it creatively and um I made like four or five of those. It was just little exercises I wrote a lot I wrote like I wrote two features and like six shorts I I was 
just kind of like, you know, you have so much time alone in a sterile environment. You're just kind of, you've got your window, your bed, and a button that will bring a human being in to, you know, check your temperature and give you water. It's kind of a rebellion, you know, because they tell you, you can't leave the hospital. You can't interact with the world. You can't have new experiences besides the experience that we're injecting into your port in your chest and you know i kind of said uh fuck that i'm gonna disappear for a bit but that would just be in in these stories that i would just create you feel trapped you feel confined and controlled so you know writing is just an amazing outlet for that because you do enter a little bit of like a, a freedom when you just decide how your character wants to act three is on and Paul is slowly starting to return to full health. Having ticked many hallmarks in his treatment, he is now under two weeks away from his final chemotherapy. One, he never thought he'd reach. Having more days of feeling better than those where he is sick, Paul is now free to hone in on his love for creating films and not worry about being on the brink of his mortality. The farther away I get from the trauma of the initial diagnosis, I start to notice that whether I knew it or not like I am treating my life differently I am right now shooting one of those feature films that I wrote in the hospital and I'm doing it with tenacity you know I'm very aggressive in the way we're going about making this like timetable wise and I think yeah I don't know if I would have ever been pushing this hard to create our own feature like content this quickly if I didn't have this kind of looming idea that you know it could be over at any time there's really no safe time to do it I get these waves of emotion sometimes out of nowhere it can, it's triggered by just the weirdest most random shit but when it happens it is happening, you know, and it's hard to control. Like, it could just be being in a beautiful place or it happens a few times when I'm, you know, with a ton of friends and there's, like, a conversation going on that I've just kind of, like, been on the periphery of, but it's, you know, and I see all my friends and family talking and laughing and having a good time and I'm just an observer of like this great thing that's happening in my life you know you kind of it, it yeah a lot of weird things will trigger these really inspiring moments where it's kind of a pinch yourself like wow I'm here right now like I shouldn't be alive you know that mantra where it's like you're gonna get sick you're gonna get really sick and then you're gonna die it's kind of turned into like I can't believe I'm alive too often in our society we celebrate mediocrity in the western world we fall victim to those who have the most money the most fame or simply most followers on social media. No doubt, 
There are many famous people out there who deserve to be in their position of fortune. But it's people like Paul who remind us of what it really means to be inspirational. From a 25-year-old whose life was full of success and adventure, it was all turned on its head. It would have been easy for Paul to throw in the towel, give up on his three years of sincere hardship. But today, Paul stands tall and on the edge of releasing his biggest film today. Thank you to Paul for sharing such a personal and vulnerable part of his life. Be sure to check out his new film, Evergreen, in the months to come. Today's episode is produced by me, Jesse Burns. Music by Chad Crouch, Juparo, and Sergi Karamizinov. Be sure to tune in for the upcoming episodes, but for now, keep on living.